welcome to Four Guys in a Comic, your hosts, Fred, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Four Guys in a Comic. And yes, we are here, bringing you all that fun, cool stuff that we love to talk about. And we're bringing it to you with four really fascinating fanatics of comics. We have... Go ahead, guys. Introduce yourselves. I'm Rusty. I mean, Tap. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm actually Rusty. I'm Rusty We're Rusty Squared now. Yeah, Rusty Squared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Can we be Rusty Cubed? Please stand up. All right, I'm standing up, guys. My name's Alex. Rusty to the third. Um, And um, I'm Nova. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. It's great to be here. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. I feel like I've been here a few times. We like chatting with Canadians, so you're welcome. Yeah, Yeah, we got our... uh, you know, the snow calmed down enough for me to get a decent internet connection, so... That's important. We yes. managed. Good. Whew. Kind of worried about that there for a little bit. Yeah, I was, about to get, I was about to get the polar bear on the uh, treadmill to start powering up the generators, <laughs> but... <laughs> so what kind of... What do you put, a carrot in front of them to get them to go? No, usually just uh, one of my neighbors. <laughs> that works, too. <laughs> Oh, sweet. Oh, well, guys, let's talk comics, shall we? Now, I was brought two questions this last week, two questions that made me actually have to stop and think. So I wanted to bring them to you guys and make you stop and think for what kind of answers you would put out. Um, I'll throw out the first one. The second one we'll do a little bit later in the uh, podcast. But the first question was, out of all the different publishers and all the different storylines and all the different places what place in comics would you love to go visit like what locations in a comic like in a comic like gotham city is a place you know oh i would go to gotham in a heartbeat i would not i'd like i would not go to gotham i would not either (laughs) i would because my my i would like hope you know, there's a chance that I could see Batman up close and in, in person. I'd take that chance. Let's do it. Um, I'd I'd go to Oa. Yeah, that, that's my choice right away. I'd yeah. love. It. I mean, you're you're talking about a chance of seeing Batman. Like, I'm guaranteed to see a freaking Green Lantern. <laughs> like, it may not be Hal or Kyle or you're Guy or Kilowog. John, but even Kilowog would be great. Just have him call me a poozer and beat me to a pulp. Send you on your way. Yeah. And it's funny. I had a feeling you were going to say that. that was, I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. But you would want to go. So, Tab, you would want to go to Gotham just so you could see Batman. Gotham would be fun. Yeah, I don't know if it'd necessarily be my top pick, but you just threw Gotham out there, and I was like, yeah, I'd definitely go to Gotham. Well, what would be your top pick? What what place would you love to go to? Gotham was like the ultimate haunted house. Like, yeah, you're just walking down the street, like, oh my god, I hope. If I see the bat signal, like that's kind of cool, but it's not good at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I would not want to run into the Joker. That bottom yeah, line. The same. Bottom line. I mean, come on. Yeah. I don't know. Rusty, it could, where would, it you would go? be fun though. Well, I was thinking probably the um, the mansion. You know, Charles Xavier's place. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Go meet some mutants. You can meet a whole bunch of people at one time. If it's not yeah. uh, destroyed already by then. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, so you want to go there as a visitor or as a student? If I could be a student, you know, maybe I, yeah. I, my uh, powers are just uh, late blooming, right? You'll be the Medusa of the X-Men. Yeah, there you go. Those will be your powers. You'll do your hair just... 
whipping violently. <laughs> I think the Baxter building would be kind of cool too. Yeah. I know it's part of like cool. Manhattan, but mm-hmm. Avengers Tower could be fun. Yeah, it yeah. could. I I'd, thought I'd of that. With, I would just mess with, with Jarvis the whole time I'm there. That's what I would do. I would just go to Avengers Tower and just mess with Jarvis. <laughs> I'd want to go to the Bat Cave instead of Gotham. Right? Well, that's in Ooh, Gotham, so it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, you just have but to find it. It's location in Gotham. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it. obviously at Wayne at the Wayne Mansion. But... It's just it's just a, you just gotta find the right rock that the Batmobile drives into the side of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. sixty six. It's that hours. water. It's that fake waterfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you're in in Wayne Manor, there's gonna be some secret entrances somewhere. Just start rattling some. I would be looking clock. around for like the statue with like the head that tilts back and. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the it's the old the grandfather clock, right? You have to set it yes. to um whatever the time of his parents' death was. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah, that'll open it up. I I I mean you mentioned Jarvis. You mentioned Jarvis. I'd go to meet Alfred. God damn it, that'd be great. <laughs> you like finally I can make sandwiches that someone will eat. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah. Now I thought about it. I was like it, it it was tough for me. You know, the first thought that came to me was uh uh Telescria. And for uh, oh, Rusty, that just happens to be the coalition of planets. You know, there was a safe haven from the Voltram Empire. Rusty has no idea what the hell he's talking about. (laughs) It's from Invincible. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just I've been on this podcast for damn near a year now, and Rusty still has not read Invincible. Oh, one, day, you take this one day, one day, one day. But they make that planet look so cool to visit in the comic series, you know. I mean, you have little kittens up in the tree that little girls eat. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, that one wouldn't be bad. That'd be fun. You know, another fun one would be business. would be the uh, Savage Land. I was thinking you know, that. Be cool. I was Get thinking to go sell the, the dinosaurs and other fun. things. Yep, that would be. I was thinking uh, Fairyland with good old Gertrude. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yeah. myself as a fairy tale uh, character. As long as I could get back, I would go. To, I would join you. But I would yeah, as long be... as I'm on her side. Yeah. As long as I'm with get back. Going on her good side for that issue, right? <laughs> no. A Cobra Island. That's another one that came into mind. You guys are all about the danger. Yes. Seems like it was just the most dangerous Come place. Rusty. You go to Matrix. Uh, Hydra no. Island. Who wouldn't want to go to Hydra Island? Come on. Yeah, I, do I wouldn't get... do Hydra. It's like, all right, guys, we're gonna go to Latveria now, and uh... actually, you would meet Jim. Let's not lie. We meeting Jim in person might be scary, but we are all giant fans of that, which is Doom. Yeah. So yes. going yeah. to Latveria would be a good time. Yeah. The negative the zone. Thing. Let's go to the negative zone. Of yeah, course. Please. Let's Thank go to the you. Cancerverse. Why yeah. not? <laughs> go hang out the Nihilus somewhere. It'll be okay. Yeah, I just uh, think you still have all those wonderful places you can go visit in uh, the Star Wars comics. You know, <laughs> go to who? Go to Tatooine. Come on, Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> Way before it blows up. <laughs> Rogue One. Style. I mean, there's like there's like Atlantis. Yeah. Themyscira for as long as you'd be able to stay on there before you get chased off. Yeah, you wouldn't be on Themyscira for very long. You'd like step foot, and then three seconds later, you're leaving. Mm-hmm. But for those three Julia seconds, ooh, I'd go to Olympus. Olympus would be cool. Yeah. Oh, I would love Olympus. Actually, you know what? <laughs> if I could pick anything out of anything, I'd say hands down, Olympus is my number one. Valhalla. 
Ooh, let's go to Asgore. Ooh, Ooh Asgore. I like that one. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. Like now that we ask this question, there's so many cool places that if you yeah. just imagine, you take know, them for granted like, in the comics because it's like, oh yeah, you know, whatever in Atlantis. But if you're actually there, it'd be blowing yeah, your mind. Exactly. You know, it was my it was my son that asked me that question, and I really it stumped me. I was like, I, 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 I don't know where do I begin. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. for you listeners out there, where would you like to go? Leave some comments. I'd love to know what place you would love to go visit. But, Ooh. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think. Anyway, if you you can start on that second question. Okay. I well, wonder we'll, what that is. We'll get, we'll get back to that. Okay, so, so why don't we also talk about some of the comics that are coming out this week? What are some of the picks that you guys have for this coming up Wednesday? So for the week of the 21st, you say... <laughs> Yes, the week of the 21st. All right, so, Rusty, I know you're excited about a lot of Marvel titles. What, oh, yeah. What, what is your quick five? Because I'm pretty sure all five of yours lands in the world of Marvel. <laughs> for the most part, yeah. That week is, seems like a big Ooh, week for Marvel. one period. that might not be Marvel for Rusty? No, no. Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> it's all going to be Marvel. But, um... Okay, but there's a lot of cool stuff coming out for Marvel that week. You know, um, we got Thanos, which is my number one, which is going to be issue number two. And we got left on the cliffhanger last time of uh, is Thanos dying? So we'll see. Um, Number two, Silver Surfer, obviously. It doesn't come out enough, but I've been waiting forever, it seems like, for it. It only comes out once a month. It's rough. And then we got Gamora. We have, what is it, Uncanny X-Men? Yeah. A lot of good stuff. And Venom. Venom number two, which super excited about. Cover looks really cool, too. You yeah. should check it out. Now, didn't uh, the first one go into second printing? I'm not sure. I haven't heard that. I, I want to say it did, if memory serves correctly. I know it's uh, so far so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it seems like it's going to be a older bad guy Venom again, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. So, Tap, what do you got? For me, okay, so I'm kind of all over the board as far as publishers go. Uh, but if i got to narrow it down some, I'm going to throw out Amazing Spider-Man 22. Uh, cool. Love the Amazing Spider-Man stuff right now that's currently going on. Um, then I'm also going to go with DC and have to say He-Man and Thundercats number three. I am also going to have to say IDW's Lock and Key one shot that's going to be coming out. New story there. Um, I'm trying to remember what all was coming out now. I know there's one that I personally haven't read, but it's gotten a lot of really positive reviews, and I know a lot of people have been waiting on it for a long time. Four Kids Walk Into a Bank number three is going to be released mm-hmm. on the 21st. Sweet. I know that's on my list. Yep, that's on my list. Oh, I didn't mean to steal it from you, Red. I just totally no, no, no. That's cool. No, no, it's cool. It's, it's it's one that has to be mentioned. It's just it's a good series. Um, going back to DC, obviously Batman thirteen. Um, I've good, hopefully strong feelings on that one. And then I'm also gonna have to say for DC, probably Trinity number four are my five that I'm really, really, really excited for for that week. See now, I thought you'd say one of mine, which is Justice League versus Suicide Squad number one, written by Mister uh, Williamson. I'm it's very exciting. Um, we'll see, because I'm just not really feeling Suicide Squad or Justice League either one right now, so I'm a little skeptical well, as uh, yeah for these two books to mesh. So we'll see, we'll see. 
I guess it'll see. It'll depend if Brian Hitch decides to follow what that book's doing or not. Or probably won't. <laughs> that reminds me, you and me have a lot to discuss in Rebirth. Yes, we do. Week. <laughs> yes, we do. I guess I may as well crank out a few more. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, we got a Klaus one shot, um, Klaus and the Witch of Winter, uh, which is, of course, the the same team team coming back to it. Graham Morrison and Dan Mora. I'm very excited for that. I need to pick up the hardcover for it. It's so nice. The pages are like they have like a gold trim to them. So when it's closed, all the pages make like a nice gold, solid gold. It That's just looks cool. really cool. Um, yeah, it's really classy. Uh, Aquaman thirteen, which is really a, a surprise book if you're not reading aquaman and you're you know a dc fan or what do i read for dc that isn't batman or superman go read aquaman it's really good really is aquaman doing really well oh, right now aquaman is it's fantastic because so you know i liked new 52 aquaman this now is aquaman, it that good i say it's better in my opinion oh, yeah snap yeah i mean it's jeff There's... johns was amazing but this is like it's by the time it gets to 25 like jeff johns did this will be definitely as memorable if not more i mean yes there are its filler issues like any book has but for the most part this story has been super super awesome yeah um so this isn't really a comic book and since i collect mostly hardcovers um you know is is, uh, i've got to just mention it i guess there's a tokyo ghost skate deck coming out uh, which is kind of neat. I didn't know Image was doing that, but um, I, guess I mean, that I guess kind of a hardcover, isn't it? Skate deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder because I know Image, like Rick, Rick Remender, would have to pay for that himself. I wonder how he's how he justified that in terms of like, is he seeing some part of the market that nobody else is? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, and aside from that, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to look for something from Marvel, but. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't get as jazzed about it as as good old Rusty does. I guess I will recommend to people if you read trades, um, the next Black Widow trade is out. Really good series, uh, which you should definitely definitely be reading. But yeah, I mean, um, I guess I didn't notice this either. But Kiss has a new series. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, oh, that's on my list too. Actually, <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, I well, I things, guess that's, that's the cool, segue. Go cool. ahead. No, no, that's cool. And there's some variant covers for it too. I've always liked um, the rock and roll comic stuff, especially back in the. Geez, uh, when was that? They had um, a few. I'm taking my back. yeah. I'm taking myself back here. I want to say it was like a 90, 90, 89 or ninety. I remember picking up rock and roll comics. It was an actual publisher at the time. And they just did nothing but famous rock bands in comics. Um, Poison, Guns N' Roses, Kiss, Aerosmith, you know. And I've always enjoyed those. I thought they were always kind of fun to read. And I see this Kiss one coming out. It's like, oh, I think I want to get that one. That one I'm going to enjoy. But uh, I'm kind of all over the place this week. Uh, and believe it or not, really none of its image <laughs> um marvel side of the house i'm actually looking forward to reading the uh, mighty uh captain marvel uh number zero that one i've always liked captain marvel so i think that's going to be a, a fun read uh i want there's a little hal jordan i'm going to have to read where hal jordan teams up with captain kirk in uh <laughs> star trek meets the green lanterns volume two uh issue number one that one i'm looking forward to as well as a series i've been meaning to pick up and I just need to get off my butt and do it and that is uh, Back to the Future series issue 15 is coming out 
Yes. Uh, did you enjoy the Back to the Future series? Have you read it? No, I like haven't. Composer. That's what I'm saying. I want to. I, I want to really get into it and read it. I, I, I'm a, it's one of my top uh, three favorite movies is the Back to the Future trilogy. And because of that, I've really been w- wanting to read the comics. And I just haven't gotten around to it yet. It's like I just need to make the time and just do it. I'm with you on that uh, one. Okay. you. I'm just going to yeah. leave. All right. You're going to have to read it and make your own judgment on it then. I've um, done a few reviews over uh, the first four way back when when I had mm-hmm. to edit for Jake back in the day and yeah. uh, but I'll give you I'll let you have your own opinion on it I won't ruin anything so no no that's cool I'm not I'm not, I'm not expecting something mind-blowing I'm just expecting some entertainment that's pretty yeah. much it that, that, that's, yeah. that's all I'm, I'm expecting to get out of it um, <clears throat> another series that I wish I had stuck with that's coming out is, from Bongo Comics is uh, Simpsons issue number 235. I've always enjoyed reading The Simpsons. And, you know, I, I think I did the first couple years and then I stopped and I wish I never did <laughs> because they're also incredibly difficult comics to find. Have you guys ever read any Simpsons? No, that's a no I've seen a few. Too. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few around in uh, long boxes and short boxes at different shops and stuff, but I've never read any. Yeah, they are they are tough to find because mostly, you know, they don't really they don't aren't uh, picked up by too many people. When kids do pick them up, they don't take care of them. <laughs> you know how it goes, and they just haven't survived. I mean, issue two hundred thirty five is coming out this week. A lot so of issues. It it is a lot of issues, and to find them, some of those issues are going in the $50 range no per issue because they're that difficult to find. But uh, that kind of wraps up with the stuff that, oh, and of course, you know, the things we mentioned, all four kids walking the bank, three and kiss, but uh, that's what all I got for this week. Nice. Sounds like we have a nice diverse stuff that mm-hmm. we're pretty excited for. It does. It does. Now we just need to pick it up and read it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, it's like a pile. It gets huge. So, speaking of reading, really quick here, I just, I gotta ask, going back a week and a half now, um, from when everyone's hearing this, have you guys had a chance to read Nova number one yet? No. The Return of the Writer. I want to very badly. I just okay. Actually, you know what? After this pod, I'm going to. I'm just going to get off my duffel. I'm just another one. Curious to see what people's thoughts are. (laughs) I got around to reading it yesterday, and. I'm not a fan, so I guess I'm just curious to see what other people think. Well, let me ask you: Were you a, are you a fan of Rich Ryder back in the days when it first came out in the seventies? From the little bit that I've read, yes. But the thing mm-hmm. is, is that this really doesn't have much to do with Rich Ryder, at least not issue one. Um, okay, so issue one. It's a, it's a build up. One has very little Rich Ryder. It's mainly all uh, Sam Alexander still. Okay, that's cool. Because I like Sam, too. I think they did a wonderful job with Sam. Okay, well, I'm just curious <laughs> to get your opinion, then. Because I just, I don't know, I didn't, it felt very cartoony and kiddish. It did not feel like it was meant for me, I guess. I don't know, maybe it's just me. So I'm just curious to get people's thoughts on it. Yeah. See, and I'm actually surprised they brought that out, because it wasn't no more than, what, three or four months back, where Sam Alexander went to Rich Ryder's parents to deliver his helmet saying that officially, yes, he's dead. I found his corpse. And he gave, you know, Rich Ryder's mangled uh, helmet to his parents with his condolences, and that was it. It was kind of, you know, Marvel's way of saying, you're never going to see Rich Ryder again. He's dead. Then this to come out, it's like, 
what? Yeah, I think it's going to be a we'll slow go figure. build. Yeah. But I can say, you know, I, I think everybody has a series that they have in their pool box that they'll have until the day they die because they're just that devoted to a particular character. For me, that's the Nova series. I have every issue. I will never, ever take it on my pool box. I'm just dedicated to the guy. <laughs> Are we sure your nickname's not Nova? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Sounds like our Canadian over here has a uh, fanboy. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, speaking yeah, I mean, of Nova, I guess. No, we well, can... Nova and I have had this conversation before. We we're, we know we're both big fans of Nova. Well, yeah, you're, we're talking about like back when it was like the annihilation period, and you know you had Rich Ryder and Dan Abner writing, and it was like the glory days oh, of Nova. God, oh, my yeah, God. it was. Oh my like that, god! That's what got me into Nova. I don't. Li- I don't mind Sam. I like Sam, but it's not. You know, it's not the same. No. It's not that. Um, it's a whole different sweeping, mind blowing cosmic. Mm-hmm. You know, this symphony of cosmic opera magnificence. Yeah. I don't even know what to call. It. Like it was just epic. It was. It was epic. Then for him to bring him, I forget his brother's name off the top of my head, but to bring his brother into the Nova Corps and everything else is like whoa. Yeah. But um. I mean, I'll check it out. I'll have to. You yeah. mentioned, you know, we're, while we're on the topic of a week and a half ago, I will say there's one Marvel title, another one that's gotten me going and getting all excited again, and that's Unworthy Thor. Yes! Because that is so good. Number yes. two dropped a week and a half ago, and it mm-hmm. was just spectacular. It is amazing. I'm not even that big of a Thor fan. I was even saying this in the chat room. But I was like, you know, I'm not, never have been a huge Thor fan. I appreciate the character, but not that, you know, big of a fan, and this, oh, I love Unworthy Thor, it's so, so good, so very good. Beta Ray Bill, like, at the end of issue one, I was like, oh, like, he just has so much respect and stuff for for Thor, and and then issue two kicks off, and it's, uh, yeah, so good. Jason Aaron's knocking it out of the park with Unworthy Thor. Jason Aaron, in general, should write, like, a Viking image comic or something, because he just, he channels that, like... The, that way of even talking and narrating and stuff so well um I, I, it would be great and what's his goat's name tooth nasher is that what it is something like that something <laughs> great like that he has a flying about... goat rusty have you read yeah, unworthy it's... thor no i haven't yet it's oh, on my to read list dude read it it's really really good but yeah, I really want to know what the hell Nick Fury said. See, your tap your your enthusiasm actually had me like, okay, I think I might read that. Then you start talking about a flying goat, and you you lost me <laughs> oh, right there. Bad ass. It's like Rusty. It's like Rusty talking about carnies. You just no, lost no, me. no, no, no. This is this is very badass. It's really badass. I'm really badass too. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll see. Unworthy <laughs> Thor, though, is it's really, really good. Jason Aaron is knocking it out of the park right now with Thor. And um, I did read his most of, I didn't read all, but I have read most of his uh, God of Thunder series that he did as well. And that was also really well done. Um, but yeah, no, I I really, really like it. If you're a fan of Thor, you're going to absolutely love it. If you're new to the character, you're kind of like, ah, eh, whatever, I'll read Thor. I think you're still really going to enjoy it. So Nice. Now, uh, I mentioned earlier that I had a second question that was brought Oh, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. What so, what'd you got? So I was also asked, you know, it's being, being the holiday season as it is, any um, holiday movies that I've watched that would be interesting to turn into a regular series comic book? 
I thought about that uh, long and hard. A holiday movie that could be uh-huh. turned into an ongoing or a lengthy miniseries. Yeah, exactly. And uh, while you're thinking about it, I'll throw out the two answers that first came into my mind. The first one was uh, Jingle All the Way. A little Turbo Man thing, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I can see the spinoff with Turbo Man. mm -hmm. And Booster. Uh, Yep, exactly. (laughs) You could turn that into a a comic. You could. And then, of course, yeah, I could too. And then the other one is I've always been a huge fan of the National Lampoon's movies. And National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Why not do they just turn it into a regular ongoing series with Clark? <laughs> just like the National Lampoon right. family where they just have ongoing adventures? Yes, exactly. That would be okay. If you had like the Griswold family adventures, like what it's called or something along mm-hmm. those lines, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, you know, we're just showing a, a, an issue of Clark going to work and the stupid crap that you might do with his preservatives at work or something. Clark Griswold, <laughs> agent of Hydra. <laughs> oh no that'd be awesome oh. um okay so for me right off the gate when you say that i'm gonna say nightmare before christmas i think you could easily yeah. turn that one into a nice maybe not like an ongoing ongoing but i think you could turn it into at least a five to twelve issue miniseries uh it's actually already out but another one would be a uh, haunted mansion uh, Joshua Williamson's actually already mm-hmm. writing that one for Marvel for Haunted Mansion, uh, but that one would be a good one. Uh, but yeah, I would have to say, hands down though, Nightmare Before Christmas would have to be hands down one. Okay, I, I can see that. Um, well, for me, uh, I've got two ideas. One's like, um, you could basically do a Home Alone one. Yes. Yeah, nice you could do Home Alone really easy, nice and pick. that would be fun. Just doing like him trapping different people in different situations and setting like up the house. Travels the world, just trapping burglars. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Macaulay Coffin, Adrian Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> with Clark. My, my second one, kind of going off of his idea with um, the National Lampoons thing. But um, Ernest, if you remember any of the Ernest oh, yes. movies. We watch oh, Ernest was, all the yes. time at my house. Who yeah. didn't love Ernest? Yeah, Ernest, Ernest is great. Ernest world He would be, that would be a funny comic series, probably. It would. That would That's something good. I could see you know, putting out by, uh, with like, in conjecture, like Mad Magazine. Yeah. It's just sad that Jim Varney's no longer <laughs> with us. Yeah. It is, it is. You know what I mean, Vern? No, I mean, no, Vern. <laughs> God, God, what I was in all those commercials that he did for what was it AutoZone or something like that? He did like uh like I think it was Brahms, and then he did uh some car dealership. He's done a bunch in North Carolina because that's where he was from. So, uh-huh. um, one that you that I thought of after the fact, um, and now I'm forgetting it again. So what was it? All right, come back. Now I forgot. You got. Well, me. you're thinking about it. Nobody. Come on. You What's your question? Your thoughts. Alone. <laughs> We're talking about Christmas movies turned into comics. Just yeah. any sort of a uh, holiday movie. Uh, Die Hard. Oh, I guess nice. that's a Christmas movie. Nice. <laughs> um, oh my god! Great. You got Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. Why not do a Die Hard or a Lethal Weapon or Yeah, yeah, that'd be Yip- all right. Yippee ki yay! <laughs> 
Okay, so oh. I just now remembered what it was. Um, and you guys have probably well, Rusty might have seen it because you're a horror aficionado, so you might have seen this. Uh, but I can guarantee probably nobody else has because it's a B movie that like nobody seems to ever heard of. But it's a movie called Santa's Sleigh. Oh, and it stars yes, and it stars Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus. I know what you're talking about. The yes, Devil. It number one that movie is fantastic for like B horror. I absolutely love that movie. It's fantastic. We're actually going to be reviewing it soon on Fork Found. I'm very excited. Like this movie is spectacular. But you could easily turn that into a, into a series because the premise is is that um, basically like this demon and an angel had a bet. He lost, so therefore he had to be good for a thousand years. Well, when this movie takes place, like in 2007 or whatever it was, um, the thousand years are now up. So for those thousand years, he had to be Santa Claus and like be good to all the boys and girls. Well, now the thousand years are up, so now Santa Claus is like, oh, I get to be evil again. And he has all of like these hell deer and stuff like that. <laughs> like It's just him on like this like hell sleigh traveling through the roads and stuff with this hell deer and like murdering people and uh, it's just it's a really really fun horror movie and i think that would be a really really fun um you know 12 issue something like that kind of run on it that you could easily do as well goldberg running around yeah you have to, yeah it has to be goldberg though because he's like this big giant buff dude i mean it just it's, it's so ridiculous it's hilarious yeah or how about just the classic? You know, why not just an ongoing series, The Adventures of Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah, it's probably already out there somewhere. <laughs> it I could be. be surprised. It, I know. I, I, it makes me wonder. I would think about that. Like, it's something so simple, easy, and basic. You know, all the, the, what does he do during the summertime? What things is going on? You know, you see little tidbits and jokes and stuff here and there, but a series? An Elf on the Shelf book. Mm-hmm. What's that other one um, for the Jewish community? Um, something on a bench. It's like Elf on a Shelf, but it's something on a bench. Mensch on a bench? Is that what it's called? Mensch? I have no idea. I, don't know. Any I have no our, clue. Any, I think it's called Mensch on a Bench. I'm not making this up. Any of our Jewish followers out there, please confirm that I'm not butchering your holiday. I really want to say it's called... I'm going to look it up right now. I'm pretty sure it's called Mensch on a Bench. But you could do one like that, too, where he's like... Yes, it is. It's Mench on the Bench. So you could do that. Like It's like the adventures of, of Mench on the Bench and like what he's doing like in between Hanukkah and like the rest of the year. and like mm-hmm. That would be fun. And it can cross over with the Adventures of Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> you could have him team up with... Uh, so you have like Hanukkah and Christmas teaming up to take on, I don't know, the evil corporations of... Toy buying. Clark, they, the agent of Hydra. Yeah, they take on Black Friday. <laughs> oh no, that would be awesome. That would. It would. Oh, anyways, any of the other newsworthy items you guys have from this last week? Oh yes. Speaking of Nova, going backwards in time slightly. Special, ladies and gentlemen, four guys in a comic will be at NovaCon July twenty eighth through the thirtieth. Booth has been purchased. We will be there. You will don't say you? that. The location of that again is 
Tyson's Corner, Virginia, 15 minutes from D.C. Did you say three days? Three days. Friday, Saturday, (laughs) Sunday. Meet the four guys. Meet the four guys. It's going to be the first time we're all meeting, like, in person. Yeah. It'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We're all, like, in completely different areas. So, Red, he has a little drive that he has to take. Not too bad to get there. Nova is either has a one and a half hour flight or a nine hour drive, whichever way he decides to go. Me and Rusty got like five and five plus hour flights ahead of us, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we're gonna do it so in the name of four guys. So no matter where you're listening to this podcast at, we got people flying in out of country. We got people flying throughout the country, so there's no excuse for you to not to show up to NovaCon. Yeah, it's gonna exactly. be a good time. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe I'll wear my thong. John Wesley Ship is going to be there. Not. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> yeah, so thank you guys for all those that bought shirts and hoodies and everything else to help support us to get us there and help us get yeah. the booth. Thank you from the bottom yes. of our hearts. It, it we do thank you. Yeah. And if you haven't bought a shirt, it's not too late. You can still pick up a shirt and help us raise some funds to get some stickers out to you guys and some other swag. And we have hoodies right now, too. Ooh, hoodies, hoodies. Who knows what's next? Winter coats? No, I just <laughs> caps and mittens? Yeah, yeah. So your four guys socks? Four guys underwear? Red skull thongs? Oh. Yes, I love it. It ain't so. The Nova robe? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rusty hair clip. There you go. We get, <laughs> we get a scrunchie. We get... <laughs> rusty scrunchie. I like it. The rusty scrunchie. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I wonder where Stuff we Stuff just writes itself. Just as a, it does. Just for Rusty's birthday, we should all chip in and somehow figure out a way to print off a four guys in a comic rusty scrunchie. <laughs> yeah. Right? Would you oh, wear well. a scrunchie if we got you one? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Just for the picture on my birthday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, that would be cool. Yeah. So we at NovaCon, and but uh, if you want to get comics delivered to your house, I think we have an option for that, too, don't we? We do. Comic Bento. Check us out on the link. Uh, it's all over our Twitter, Facebook, etc. Uh, click on that link. We're going to get 15% off your first month's purchase. Uh, but for $20 or less, depending on the subscription that you choose a month, uh, you are going to get up to $50 plus worth of trade paperbacks every single month sent to your door, blind box service style. You never know what you're going to get, but every month has a theme. So check them out. They usually always provide at least one really awesome book, and then maybe a few books that you've never even heard of. Give them a shot, you're going to be like, hey, I really like these. You never know. So check it out. Comic Bento. B-E-N-T-O. Cool. Speaking of comics, I think uh, a certain Canadian here mentioned that they're going. he's going to start publishing on our YouTube some of his hardcovers. Soon. I'm currently undergoing renovations, but that is the plan. Um, For anyone that does collect anything besides single comics, which, I mean, is the better way to go, um, in my opinion, anyway, not just trying to throw my, uh, force my opinions on anyone, but, um, yeah, that'll be something that, I mean, hopefully the other three guys will also show their collections, even though they may Mm -hmm. just be single comics. I think it's pretty neat as well. 
Um, so that'll be something to check out for those of you interested in knowing, hey, what um, you know, what, what do other people have in their collections and whatnot? Mm-hmm. So it's something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, for those of you that have been considering hardcovers, um, you never know. Maybe I'll manage to convince you. I'll uh, you work my magic. He yeah. worked his so- magic on me. No, seriously Ooh. though, hardcovers are um, so much nicer, and especially when you get the big oversized hardcovers. Uh, for instance, like the Absolute Preacher book is one that I got semi recently, and it's so huge and massive that I can't imagine reading that book any other way now because it's just so gorgeous and to like hold in your hands and have like this big oversized edition. Same thing with like the Goon library covers; they're all oversized. It's it's amazing. I honestly thought, eh, hardcovers, whatever. But no, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he convinced yeah. me, and I'm yeah. now on the bandwagon. <clears throat> but yeah, speaking of uh, Noah putting that stuff up on the YouTube, check out our YouTube. I've been covering some Star Wars comics on the YouTube, and you know, Tap has been covering, um, opening up uh, um, his uh, Geek blind Fuel. boxes, yep. the Geek Fuel stuff. Uh, Nova, I mean, um, excuse me, Rusty, we're still waiting for... Uh, Rusty Quest Part 3 to come out. I know, I know. I haven't had luck in finding what I've been looking for, so... Well, we don't care. Put it up there. Show us that you're at least looking. I will. Show I will. I'll see. failing. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to see all the misery and stuff of me walking into places and being like, damn. Just make sure, you know, just make sure you have Reagan tighten up on that teardrop, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and have on your Rusty Scrunchie while you do it. Yes, of course. Exactly. you got to have the Rusty Scrunchie. Oh, that is so cool. This... Any? Are we missing anything? I don't think we are missing anything. No, I think that about covers it, gentlemen. Well done. Yes, it does about cover it. And it's almost that. Which an hour, time to probably pick up the phone and give a call and have an interview. Sounds good. Let's do this. Yes. Let's pick up the phone. Pick up the phone! everyone it is that time again where we have our interviews and this week we actually have two special guests with us we have ken centers and sean greenleaf and ken is actually the writer of astropunk murder on mars and sean was the editor slash letterer um on this book is that correct that is awesome see i do read yeah welcome (laughs) gentlemen welcome to the show so Astropunk on Mars is uh, an indie comic. Uh, Red actually found you guys at a local con, I believe, in Virginia. Um, We emailed you guys, went back and forth for a while. You guys sent us a copy to check out. And I got to say, I really liked it. I wasn't sure what to expect, um, but I really enjoyed it. It's a great story. I know when when I was at the convention, uh, the cover, the cover is what first drew me in. When I saw that sitting at your table, I was like, ooh. That looks pretty cool. And I got to say, it was just, that was like the focal point. Like, okay, let me get this. Let me read it. Let me talk to you guys and go on from there. Well, hey, I, I appreciate uh, both those compliments. Um, the, uh, the writing wasn't solely done by me. I can't take all the credit for that. Uh, the co-writer on the book um, and co-creator is Rob Farenholt. Uh, he couldn't be with us tonight, obviously, because of work and familial duties. But, uh mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he and I wrote it together, and we were pretty proud of it, and I'm really glad you guys liked it, and you're right, the cover artwork is pretty badass. Yeah, that's uh, by uh, Steve Thomas that I see in here. Yeah, he did a great job. Like I said, that 
The first thing that uh, you see when you pick at a comic is always the cover, and that's lots of times what uh, <laughs> draws you in or not. And yeah, it really drew me in. It's like, and I'm glad I picked it up. It was, uh, wow. <laughs> so, so for those of our listeners out there that uh, you know haven't had the opportunity to read Astropunk yet, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the story. Uh, sure. Um, it takes place uh, in the year 2171. Uh, humanity has colonized most, uh, you know, reasonable parts of the solar system, both inner and outer solar system sections. Um, and it's a sort of dystopian, cyberpunk-esque, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say a hellscape for most of humanity, but um, people live under corporate oppression and, uh, and greed, um, very much like you would find in, you know, typical uh, cyberpunk uh, and or dystopian science fiction, um, which is where the term, the name astropunk comes from, is because, you know, cyberpunk usually take place on Earth and things of that nature. Uh, astropunk takes place in space. Um, it's about uh, the first, you know, 20 issues or so are about Leslie Dent and her sort of struggles with uh, her professional life and her, her personal life um, and how she tries to escape the rat race of, uh, of being a Terran marshal. Uh, basically, the law, um, the law throughout the, the solar system, throughout the colonies of the solar system, um, she is one of very few... Uh, I guess, police personnel. Um, most of the colonies are controlled by corporations and they, they set their own standards uh, for their citizens, their corporate persons, their uh, corporate assets. Um, but Earth is still the central focus of the government in the world. And so the Earth government, uh, the Terran government, decides they need to have representation throughout the solar system. Um, and those are the Terran marshals. So it's a, it's a it's a noir, you know, science fiction, uh, space opera kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So, so I gotta ask. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rusty. So okay. Well, I was kind of about to say okay. Um, so <laughs> when come up with the idea for the comic and all that, what actually brought y'all all together as a creative team to do this comic book? Like, how did y'all all meet, and how did y'all know each other? Well, Rob and I know each other for about 20 years. Um, we've been friends since uh, we were about 17 or 18 years old. Um, and he and I grew up uh, playing role-playing games and then, you know, reading comics and stuff together. Um, and it was his idea to sort of write this setting for a role-playing game um, because we were tired of playing the science fiction role-playing games that were out on the shelf. So we took a look at it, and he had this, this world built, um, but didn't really know what to do with it. And so we started working on some more details in the setting. And I was trying to write comics at the time, and I had gone through a number of failed attempts to um, put together a team of other creative people to help me facilitate that. And uh, I turned to Rob, and I said, hey, look, man, why don't we write this as a comic and try and make it as a comic versus a role-playing game, which we love, but have absolutely no business trying to write. Um, 
and he reluctantly uh, acquiesced in that idea. Um, and then we approached Corey, uh, who does the pencil inking uh, for the book, um, to do that for us. And uh, he is actually a friend. He, he's he's an artist on a, a title called Oathbound, which Sean also now works on. Um, but originally it was just a buddy of ours. Uh, Rob and I have a mutual friend named Kevin Cuff, who is the writer uh, for Oathbound. And Paul was the artist he had tapped to do Oathbound together as a collaboration. Um, so Paul and I had became friends through Kevin, and Paul offered to do like some character sketch work for me if I had story ideas, because I had struggled with trying to get artists to actually do work. And, um, you know, Paul saw me struggling to do this you know, out of the kindness of his own heart. He came in, I'll do some character sketches or layouts or, you know, whatever you need kind of like pro bono if you just need somebody to get to help you get your idea together if you want to go to Kickstarter or whatever and then when Rob agreed to do a comic we talked about having Paul do it and Paul immediately was on board um, and he's did a number of other podcasts we've done together he's talked about how uh, we sold him pretty much at the word uh, punk rock um, punk rock fan uh, Rob and I are big punk rock fans so we wanted actual punk to have that feel um, and science fiction punk rock was totally up Paul's alley uh, so he agreed to come on and do it um, I think the next person we brought on was Sean um, who I knew through social media because he works on another project that I'm a huge fan of called Escape from Jesus Island um, which if you guys haven't been able to check it out or if you haven't seen it you should certainly look into that uh, but Escape from Jesus Island is a magnificent book, an indie book, um, that has, in my opinion, a hugely successful creative team that, for me, set the standard for independent comics. Um, and so I wanted to essentially not steal Sean from me, uh, Escape from Jesus Island, so I knew he would never leave it, but at least get some of what they had uh, on their team, on my team, and that was um, Sean he came on and we hired uh, you know, we got Hector to do it after struggling Hector does the color, we got him to do it after struggling with some other colorists and uh, from there we were pretty much off to the races um, to get the rest of the book finished so that was kind of a long winded story but... <laughs> <laughs> no you're good so... well it was kind of a long winded um, uh, effort like this, this whole thing Everything was a struggle with this particular book. Uh, not, not sometimes it's just the way it works. Like I'm on I'm on four different projects full time now, and I've got other projects besides that uh, that I either edit, letter, or whatever. This one was just every step of the way it fought us. Every step of the way, everything that could go wrong went wrong, but we managed to forge through and create something that I was really proud of by the time we were done. So, Sean, as an editor, a lot of times when we do interviews, it's usually with artists, writers, etc. So it is pretty rare, actually, that we get to speak to somebody that does editing and whatnot. So as an editor, what exactly is your job on the book? I mean, obviously letters, we all know what that is. But as far from an editing standpoint, what is it exactly that you do um, on the book from that standpoint? Well, it's... How, how it's, much time do you have? 
right. Brief summary of, of what all you, you do on the book. Well, uh, at least from my point of view, uh, I have met very few other editors, especially in indie. Indie doesn't have a lot of money for editors, uh, which is, is, is a problem. But that aside, uh, I, I edit everything. I start with script and go all the way through the, the artwork and worry about timing and pacing and panel layouts and making sure that everything's, you know, clean and easy moving. And uh, I came on to this project a little bit later, so uh, – but Paul had already done a pretty damn good job of laying out his – there was – mostly enough room for lettering. That's one of those things that people don't think about. So it's kind of fun to be an editor and a letter together because artists have a tendency to be like, Hey, I want to use 90% of the panel. It's like, that's cool. But there were 35 words that were supposed to go in this panel. Um, and so it's really finding that, uh, that, that line between the artwork and the text. Uh, Paul Rand said it best. It was, it's the synthesis of form and content. Uh, and that's graphic design, but it's no different for comic books. Uh, really kind of figuring out uh, when you put them down together, do they work together? Are they are they in sync? Uh, matter of fact, most of my text lettering happens after I do my first round of lettering. So for, for conversational stuff, it happens because once you see the words that were written on the artwork, suddenly you know. You know whether or not it it works, you, you know whether it flows well, you whether know whether the dialogue works right with the face that was now drawn is that is this face you know, equivalent to this is, it, is the pacing right um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, man, there really is and then I do all the production work too, so I'm, I'm the back end guy that does all the file production very cool yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, a, a quick summary uh, it's kind of hard to do for Sean's job, um because he handles so much of the book so frequently, um, you know, we're working on we're working on issue two uh, now, and once it gets once it gets into Sean's hands, you know, after Rob and I write it, it goes to Sean. We do some story revision, we do some dialogue revision, you know, clean up grammar. Like that's generally what most people think of as an editor, um, but you know, Sean, the way he works uh, is incredibly meticulous. Um, and, you know, he'll, he'll be the first to admit, I think, that, you know, sometimes he goes a little overboard with his meticulousness, um, but he'll, I mean, we'll probably revise the second issue script, you know, three, four times, you know, and then when the lettering finally gets to be put in place, we'll probably go through it all again to make sure all the dialogue's right, you know, so, uh, that's just for the words, you know, and that's not including the fact that, you know, he'll be going over all his layouts, going over Paul's pencils, going over the inks, going over the flatting colors, the, the actual colors, you know, and then, like you said, having to do all the back-end production work on making sure the files are right for, you know, PDF and the files are right for the printers. Um, the promo material is right, you know, and all the lettering and design on promo material and all the lettering and designing on, you know, patches and stickers. And, I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> I do a lot of stuff. When it, when, it, when it comes down to it, honestly, um, you know, I, I don't want to put a lot of people's business out there, but when it comes down to it, you know, Sean's one of the least paid guys in the product, and he probably works more than anybody else does, 
uh, over the life of a book. Because um, I got all I got to do is write. All I got to do is write it and rewrite it. You know, that's that's a couple days of my life. You know, and then of course Rob and I got to make business decisions and stuff like that. But that's not hard work. Um, you know, Paul draws it and inks it. He could draw an ink comic book. You know, in a in a month. You know, um, and then he's pretty much hands off at that point. Like he. He and Hector work together to decide a color palette and uh, things of that nature, you know. So Hector's all set up on colors and good to go. It doesn't really need much in the way of direction. Um, but, you know, when Hector's done coloring, like, Sean still has to go back in and make sure, hey, are the colored borders on the panels right? Or, you know, is Hector coloring all the way to the line? Um, you know, because sometimes people miss stuff, you know, and then Sean goes back through with a five tooth comb and that's so. Only about 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> Only about like, 10 times. <laughs> Maybe 15. So I got to ask, has there been any, like, really... Hard... So I have to ask, has there been any, like, really hard calls, you know, Sean, when you're editing, and say, you know what, this just doesn't flow, or this just isn't right, and, you know, maybe Robert or Ken is like, but, but we want that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that happens in any project. There are times... Uh, I'm going to use Jesus Island as an example because we were just talking about something uh, yesterday on one of our mm-hmm. things. Uh, our artist, Matt, uh, Morty, had um, had done up a section and kind of misinterpreted what uh, Sean French had written and mm-hmm. had created this, this whole section of pages that we had to th- turn around and dump because it wasn't uh, – it didn't anchor to the story properly. Like the story is is built out in in eight issues, and and you know you got to make sure you you nail those story anchors. Like that's really important. And um, these these pages were beautiful, but because we had a just just a tiny miscommunication on what what one word meant to someone about like you know her standing up to this guy or doing whatever, it turned into this badass uh, scene that we had to cut pages out of. And we were just talking about how funny it is we're going to throw those in our in our trade paperback when we when we finish it because we want people to see some of that fun behind the scenes stuff that happens where you put in you know uh, Morty put in 10, 15, 20, 30 hours on these pages and then we had to cut them all out and he had to redo them. What book oh. was that again? I'm sorry. Escape from uh, Jesus Island. I was going to say we talked to those guys. I know we talked to Sean yeah. talked to them, yeah. a yeah. couple months ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you, you talked to my crazy compatriots, did you? Yeah. Yes. yeah, we, yeah had we, we had him on. We had him on the podcast a couple months yeah. ago. Got it. Yeah, yeah Mortimer's was art crazy was insane. Yeah, it was so crazy yeah. out there. It was cool. It was it was definitely pretty cool to see. But awesome, small world. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is indie comics, and I'm yeah. uh, running all over the place. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm part of four projects consistently now, and then doing side projects, and so I'm busy. Oh, busy! Yeah, it's interesting. To see. Yeah, busy is good. I mean, you know, that's that's this is what I want to do, and I I really enjoyed the indie aspect of it. Believe it or not, as much as yeah. you know, he was talking about like pay is is well. It's one of those. It's next to nothing uh, because you know these people can't just throw extra money at this indie side projects for them. They don't have enough money for it. But at the same time, I love indie stories because uh, you're allowed to tell your story your way. Yeah, and people don't understand how important that is. Like you don't get that option at Marvel and DC and and 
Dark Horse and all those others, you know. Um, there are publishers, there are editors there telling them what they can and can't get away with and what they can and can't say and what kind of jokes they can tell yeah. and how they censorship. can tell that story. And there's definitely censorship. Yeah. And the beauty of doing indie books is that you get to tell your story your way. This doesn't mean it needs to be gross or, you know, crazy, but you just – you don't have filters. You get – the only filter is whether or not the, the people reading it enjoy it. And there's something awesome about that. And you also get to be really, really close to the uh, to your fans. Like, they're right there. There's no one in between you and them. And there's something fun and magical about that. No, so. agreed. Yeah, very much so. So we got to read issue one of Astro Punk. How many issues are currently out at the time, at this juncture? Uh there's only the one issue right now. Only the one. Um, okay, because I yeah, I yeah, there were saying yeah, they, it's about twenty. I didn't know if it was just twenty issues planned out or if you had twenty issues out out. So it's twenty issues planned out. Uh, the first, so one of the one of the sort of the I guess design elements that we wanted to sort of deal with um, from the jump of the whole thing was we wanted to take like that classic dime store or you know forties or fifties pulp. Um, novella feel Mm -hmm. uh and sort of translate that into a comic book where you know you follow the same character through a number of different stories or or plot elements and maybe they're tied together with one or two things or they're loosely tied together you know through a setting or whatever the case is um and so that's kind of the way we designed uh the story outline for for astropunk and um it will be about 20 issues. It may end up falling short of that simply because you, when you do this, like for the first or second or the third time, even you don't, when you plot your outline, you never fill it out enough, you know, to necessitate 20 issues or five issues or whatever your, your ultimate goal is. You always end up falling short of that. Um, so it's, it's, it's loosely plotted for 20 issues. It'll probably be more like 16, but um, we each chapter, you know, each story arc will be its own individual story um, where some of the stuff carries over from one to the next. But uh, so the first the first arc is four to five issues. Second arc's four to five issues. Third arc's four to five issues. And the fourth arc's four to five issues. And, um, each of those has their own, you know, subtitle where the first one is Murder on Mars. The second one is Butchery in the Belt. And then there's Tyranny on Titan and then Endgame on Earth. And we wanted to do that sort of alliteration thing kind of as a a nod to early comics, but also kind of as a throwback to, you know, the way some of those titles were in, in the old pulp novels um, of the 40s and 50s. Very cool. So where can your book currently be found? Um, are you guys on Comixology? Do you, is, there, is it in all stores? Is it just regional? Well, right now it can currently be found in my office. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, in my, and, in my, and in my short box. Yeah, yeah. Yep, there you go. Uh, uh, but no, um, we're currently in, uh, we're, we're, we're awaiting, uh, the arrival of our first major print run, uh, for the first issue, which is a thousand issues. Um, they should be here probably by early January sometime. Okay. And at that, at that point we'll be able to fulfill all our Kickstarter rewards. Mm. Um, and we have a number of cons coming up early next year and throughout the first half of the next year. Um, more regionally to try and get us out there. But as far as getting into comic book stores, uh, I mean, you guys are around comics enough that you know that independent comics and comic book stores are a pretty rare sight nowadays. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, unfortunate, so, but... 
Well, well, I will back up. I will say I do talk with a lot of independent writers out here at Hampton Roads, and a lot of them have arrangements with the store owners to um, uh, put their comics out. I don't know if you've talked to any of the shops at all, but a lot of the independent writers do have stuff placed in places like Zenos and uh, yeah. Comic yeah, Kings and things like that. So, um, yeah, we've we've Rob and I have to uh, to do some legwork on that, um, but we have talked to a couple of different comic shops and. Um, Paul's talked to some comic shops in California where he mm-hmm. lives. Um, and so we, we will be getting into stores, at least in, in the Hampton Roads area. Um, Good. Currently, we're in one store in Hampton Roads, uh, and that's Heroes and Villains in Hampton. Um, uh-huh. yeah. Shout out. Yep, I yeah. know Heroes and Villains. <laughs> yeah, R- Richard Richard Tinkle's our guy, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's an awesome dude, and he graciously bought our very expensive digital print run. Uh, at a dollar above cost, um, mm-hmm. left him very little margin, <laughs> and um, was kind enough to give us some shelf space. So we're there, mm-hmm. and we're in my office, but that'll all change. Yes, awesome. good, good. Eventually, we'll have a website to sell it, won't we? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're 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 in the process of of either uh, developing our own website or. Um, maybe just going through like big cartel or, or something like that. Um, in the meantime, to try and give ourselves a little digital space, um, to push the product through, you know, and, and of course, if you want to message either, you know, Sean, myself or Paul Gory or Rob Fahrenholt or, you know, even, you know, Hector Rubilar, if you want to talk to, you know, uh, Hector in Brazil and, and you want to order the book, we'll ship it to you. I don't really care where you live. Um, and reach out to us here at four guys and we'll also point in the right direction as well. Yeah. There you go. Very cool. Do you have any cons coming up that you're confirmed for that you wanted to throw out there? Because by the time this will come out, it'll probably be what red into December. Yes, December. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but it's going to be uh, mid to end of December. Yeah. Um. So we're doing MarsCon in Hampton Roads up in Williamsburg. Um. The thirteenth, well, fourteenth. Better be. Yeah. The thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth of January. Um. That's a science fiction and gaming convention. Um, it, you know, the only con we've done so far on the product is Hampton, Hampton Comic Con, um, and that went exceptionally well for us, uh, mm-hmm. being you know first time indie creators. Uh, and then we're doing Tidewater Comic Con in Virginia Beach in was it May of next year? Yes, um, May thirteenth, uh, I believe, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, I think I think it's right, thirteenth, fourteenth, and then. Yeah. Uh, and then we're looking at probably trying to get into some like you know one day events in Richmond and and um, stuff like that. Very cool. Cool. Now um, I wanted to ask a uh, classic question: inspirations or you know writer, writers, artists that you've always followed in the comic industry? Uh, well, for me, um, I'd say probably you know Ed Brubaker is my probably personal favorite comic book writer. Um, I don't think I've read a single Brubaker story that I haven't liked, including his stuff. Uh, well, especially, I mean, I, I loved his Captain America run and, uh, you know, pretty much all of his independent stuff I think is great. So he has a tendency to write a lot of uh, reappropriated sort of noir-themed yeah. uh, material, uh, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and as far as the rest of the comics industry is concerned, uh, there aren't a ton of inspirations um, for Astropunk or, or myself personally in that regard. I, uh, I always fashioned myself more as a prose writer, 
um, before I got into comic books. Uh, but prose is really, really hard. <laughs> and uh, so com- <laughs> comics comics seemed easier, um, which turns out isn't the case. Uh, but <laughs> Sean's shaking his head. No, <laughs> no, no yeah. it's not. <laughs> but but um, but no. So like other other inspirations, I guess, for the book or or for storytelling, um, you know, science fiction movies and film and other science fiction authors. Uh, so you can't you can't write something or you can't create something without feeling like you're you're generally derivative or you're, you're stealing from somebody. Um, there are generally no more original ideas. Um, you know, everything kind of be boiled down into a handful of different concepts. And, um, you know, if you have one central character, you're always going to be compared to the hero's journey and stuff like that. So, uh, there's, there's very little, I guess, free space for complete creativity. Um, so you always find yourself sort of pilfering things from other things. And we sort of took the approach with Astropunk that we were okay with doing that. Um, as long as at the end of the day, the, the thing that we had at the end was something that was, uh, noticeably different and noticeably ours and not, um, just a retread of say total recall or blade runner or, you know, stuff like that um which you know the, the, the total recall thing we get compared to a lot because it's mars and it has mutants um so that there's an obvious you know connection there uh, i was gonna say that because stole that idea <laughs> i, I was yeah. gonna say that because I, after i got done reading this that was the first thing i thought of total recall it's like ooh, this is like a total recall type of story okay yeah yeah and it's and 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 that's okay like you know i don't have a problem um, being compared to We Can Remember For You Wholesale or being compared to Total Recall, the original at least. Uh, mm-hmm. The remake, the remake I, I would take some exception with. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't talk about the remake. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, to, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, Total Recall is one of my all-time favorite science fiction films mm-hmm. uh, and probably my favorite Arnold film. So for me, like, I can be upset about that or I can just take it as a compliment. You know, and, and It's a compliment. To, yeah, and you have to just choose to take it as a compliment, yeah. even if you even if you kind of want to be upset about it, you know. Otherwise, you're gonna beat yourself up about all the things that you did that's like something else, you know. And that's mm-hmm. that's why. So, inspira- like inspiration, the question of where did the inspiration come from is hard for me because there's a bunch of them in this story. Um, some are obvious, and some are not so obvious to the casual reader. Uh, you know, the again the throwback to noir elements of the forties and fifties and of the seventies film noir stuff like Chinatown or, you know, the, the JJ, the Chinatown or the, or the Marlowe, uh, series of films, you know, that's in there. Like there's, there's character in Astropunk that's specifically a direct trope, uh, throwback to Chinatown. Um, and he's the, the, the window washer, Chucky guy that says it's bad for the glass. Like, that's a that's a direct line from the movie Chinatown, and if you've seen Chinatown and you've seen the book, you can get that, you know. And that's fine that you get that. You're supposed to get that. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's a long-winded. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very. Uh, I was just gonna say this is why he has an editor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like if, shit, if oh, you man. if you would have seen some of my early scripts that that never got made, uh, yeah, you would know that this is my problem. <laughs> so it's uh, probably going to be a while before we we get to like issue two and stuff. I'm assuming, correct? 
Um, no, so uh, the issue one Kickstarter rewards will be hopefully in people's hands by the second week of January, which puts us about two to three weeks out from the estimated delivery date, you know, that we set. And uh, that's that's something that's both pretty good and, in my opinion, not good. Like, I want it to be on time, um, which is really hard to do in the independent space uh, for a number of reasons that I won't go into otherwise. It'll be another 30-minute answer. Um, so at that point, once I'm confident that the, the packages have had enough time to reach the backers on Kickstarter, we're going to run the Kickstarter for issue number two. And um, it will hopefully have already been uh, through the first couple editing sta stages and on Paul's desk uh, at that point. So we'll already have been working on it enough to have, you know, five, six, seven completed pages uh, of issue two when we go to Kickstarter. Okay. And then the funds, then the funds from issue two will not only help finish issue two or the funds from Kickstarter number two will not only help finish issue two, but, but also uh, allow us to print again, you know, the goal is another thousand issues. Okay. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. let us know for sure when you start up, uh, you know, Kickstarter for issue two and we'll be sure to, you know, plaster <laughs> on social media, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be, uh, that'd be huge for us. I mean, our mm -hmm. first Kickstarter did really well with the limited um, sort of reach that we had, uh, you know, but it, and, we raised like just shy of uh, $3,500, I think. Very nice. Um, yeah. And we, we were only asking for 2250 which was, you know, enough to cover uh, production of the of the 1,000 issues and then reward tiers and, and stuff like that. Um, we, mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't run a Kickstarter to make any money. And, um, he didn't even recoup his money. <laughs> yeah, like we, we you know, we, we paid for, um, Rob and I paid everything out of pocket. Uh, up front for issue one. So before mm -hmm. we even went to Kickstarter, issue one was completed um, 100%. And in mm -hmm. fact, we actually, we'd actually already printed uh, 150 copies of it digitally, like I said. That's, that's what we took with us to Hampton Comic-Con. Mm -hmm. um, and so we wanted to, you know, of course, reach a broader audience. The only really way we could do that was to, to sink about another $2,000, you know, into the project in which we'd already spent um, about six... Funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, not not to like really break it down into, you know, huge detail or whatever. I mean, I don't have a problem talking numbers, but uh, the first issue cost is about six grand um, to make, you know, and that isn't including the money that we got from Kickstarter, you know. Mm. So uh, you figure every issue is going to cost about that much money, um, you know. So you're either going to run out of money, or uh, you're going to have to try and find it from somewhere. And luckily, mm -hmm. we were fortunate enough to where people on Kickstarter were into our book enough um, to where they didn't have a problem, you know, sort of helping us out with the last little bit of money that we needed. I was like, one of the reasons I asked is because I was just curious. Um, there's a scene in issue one uh, where, you know, the, the heroine Leslie is, is taking a shower and you see on her spine this sort of exoskeleton yeah exoskeleton yeah. cybernetic spine. you know spine going on and i was just wondering if that is something that you can tell us now what's going on with her or if that's something we have to wait for for upcoming issues no um yeah we can talk about that now so uh leslie den is not 100 percent human um she is genetically human um but she is uh the term now in, in modern science fiction is post-human um 
or transhuman. Then uh, that that really all that means is that she's uh, she's integrated things into her body that that allow her to be better than humanity would be in its natural state. Um, cyborg, cyborg, cyborg. <laughs> I said it. I got it out of the way. So there yeah, so, so so she has some cybernetics, um, <laughs> and and that that trend will most likely continue uh, throughout the series. I, I think a pretty complete uh, story arc um, when it comes to character development. You know, um, with my with my vast many years of writing experience, <laughs> 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 you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I think um, I think it's fair to say that, uh, that yeah, she's she's cybered out, if you will. All right, very yeah, we cool. actually cut some stuff out of issue one about that, believe oh. it or not. Like, uh, there was more about that in issue one, and the way we tried to make it happen just wasn't kind of working right. Mm-hmm. And so we cropped it, we cut it completely out, and you were going to get back into that in issue two, I think. Well, I was going to say, as much as I would have liked to have seen it in issue one, I think that that's probably a good call because it actually, like I said, it made me ask the question. Like, it made me curious to want to know what's going on with her later on. So I think it was definitely a smart choice to cut it out because, I mean, luckily I could ask you guys, but, you know, if I was just a general (laughs) reader, I'd kind of be like, oh, what the hell's going on with her? Now i got to read, you know, whatever to figure it out. So, um, no, that's really, really cool Mm -hmm. and I saw that. Like, I just thought she was like a normal, you know, detective, so to speak. And then all of a sudden you see her in the shower and you go, oh, that's there's something up with her. OK, this is different. And yeah, it was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. One yes. thing I, well, worth okay. noting that I have to throw out there, too, is, you know, when I read a comic, I like I, I literally go through it from cover to cover. And one thing that I thought was really, really well written that I, I got a giggle out of was your um, all rights reserved disclaimer. On the inside cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yes, thought that, that means too. Actually I was sitting there, I was like, great. Yeah, see, that means you guys do read it cover to cover. And, yes. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So who wrote that? I want to know who wrote that. Uh, I, I wrote that, and Sean uh, tacitly approved it. By <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was actually a conversation Sean and I had. Like, Sean, Sean came to me, and he's like, hey, man, you need to write some you know, bullshit legalese statement uh, to go on the inside of the book, like a real professional. And I was like, all right, man, I don't want to do that, but okay. <laughs> and, um, and so he, he and he and French, uh, they, they do a similar thing in escape from Jesus Island. Where mm-hmm. French kind of takes, takes the piss out of it, you know, by just writing whatever he wants to write because the, the, yeah. The, the trending theory among writers is that nobody reads that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you um, would think. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Apparently we're wrong. Yes, you are. There are some of us that do actually read that stuff. That's great. That means that you guys get to enjoy those little tidbits. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Keep them rolling, please. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 that trend will definitely continue. Um, Sweet. Because as much as I didn't want to write it, I had a blast writing that paragraph. Like I can tell. It, it, it was The way it was put together, it was like, Whoever did this had fun with it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, one, two, three, four, some dudes to incorporate it or something. Yeah, one, two, three, four, Main Street City. One, two, three, four, five, USA. Just, yeah. <laughs> all, of it, all of it together. All, all of the little details is like, I like it. <laughs> My sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, very a, very cleverly time. played. Yes. So, Sean, 
we kind of asked Ken you know, about his inspirations for it, but I'm kind of more curious about you since we have you on here anyway. We can't ask you an inspirations for this, but I can ask you what were some of the comics that you read growing up and what are some of your favorite comic books? Oh, growing up, I was an X-Men fan. Oh, weren't we all? X-Men all the time, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I was big into X-Men in the early 80s. Uh, I started around 125, 130. Uh, all the way up to 200, 220, 210, 215, 225. You know, so I grew up on the Claremont uh, mm-hmm. run, and uh, that was the thing for me for the longest time. Uh, but I really kind of bounced around. I've never been a DC guy. Um, not sure how. I mean, the first comic book I ever read that I that I really remember is, and this is this is was the uh, Wolverine miniseries, right? Uh, with Frank Miller. And, Solid read, man. Yeah, yeah. And so I, it's the first comic book I actually remember to the point where I was like, "Whoa, I don't know what this is, but I need more." And uh, and then that started me down the road, and then I was, and then I was into X Men, and it was, you know, like all of those things. Uh, nowadays, I'm not a mar- I'm not a superhero guy anymore. Like the the indie stories, doing indie books has made me really enjoy uh, how much comic books have to offer, how what a wide variety they can deliver. Um, before it was like, if it's not superheroes, I have no interest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Sean, I feel you completely. I was the same way. All Marvel, all the time. Yeah. Everything in my short box was Marvel. The last, what? What do you say, Rusty? A guy? What? Last year, I got rid of all Marvel. Bad. Now it's all. Yeah, image he basically comics. sold his entire collection uh-huh. and uh, traded it all in for uh, indie comics and Image comics. Yep. Well. There you go. I mean, you know, that's. Uh, right now, my thing is either Saga, uh, Rat Queens. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saga never never ceases to amaze me, surprise me, go in a different direction that I don't expect. Well, B- BKB Probably. is just awesome. <laughs> Saga Saga is the best book on the market. Like, is, there's it, I don't know. There's no other book out there uh, that's better, in my opinion, than Saga. It's so freaking good. And then. Uh, I'll name some stuff that Ken doesn't like just because I like to, to hear him squirm. <laughs> and, uh, Matt Fraction's uh, Sex Criminals. Yep. Jesus. Uh, yeah, see? <laughs> 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 Sex Criminals is awesome. You know, to be fair, it's not my fault you have terrible taste in writers if you don't like that's, Matt Fraction. That's quite all right. That's quite yeah. Right. But I like not- he brought he brought fun back to comics, and I liked mm-hmm. that. Uh, it's the same reason I love Rat Queen so hard is because it can be a story about a lot of things, but it brought the fun back. So didn't Saga. These are all books that, that realized you were you were missing the fun element. The the Oh, it's fun to read this. Like, I am happy when I'm reading this. Those things were gone because in the 90s, it was all everyone's badass and everyone's tough and everything's doom and gloom. And that just kind of just crushed through for for two decades and i just got sick of it i was like dude i'm the dude that in the 90s i was everything was razor and it was dawn and it was every indie book i can find uh or any badass chick right like oh that's got a chick killing people i'm on that Um, (laughs) angela right um sam marie anyone remember sam marie 
continuity comics? Mm-mm. No? Yeah, see? I was all over these indie books in the early 90s and then just got so burned out on all of that stuff. Uh, but then finally, comic books started being fun again. Mm-hmm. And and they could still tell a, a compelling story and they can still be gruesome and they can still be all those things. But you're allowed to have fun while you're reading it. Yeah. I, w- I will say this about uh, Matt Fraction while we're on the subject. Um, I, I have read uh, a fairly good amount of Matt Fraction for not personally liking Matt Fraction. Not that I have anything. <laughs> not that I know. Not that I know the guy. Uh, I just don't necessarily care for uh, some of the stuff. Uh, some of the way he writes things, like um, it's it comes through most in either for me it comes through most in either his Hawkeye run, which was really great. Um, or, or his sex criminals book where I feel like, uh, he knows he's funny, you know? And so it's one of those things where I appreciate the self-deprecating comedian, um, or the sarcastic comedy, but, uh, but fraction of the style of writing, um, I don't know. It's it, it just something about it strikes me the wrong way. It strikes the wrong chord and, and, you know, my appreciation level. Um, mm-hmm. But that being Just said... Just you're a cantankerous old fucker. <laughs> because I, I, am, I am naturally cantankerous. But um, but that being said, sec, the first the first trade of Sex Criminals I do own. Uh, I own his run on uh, Iron Fist. Um, mm-hmm. I read all of his Talkeye stuff. Uh, How about OGYC? I haven't, I haven't read that. Like, those, those, that's literally all I've read of Matt, Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sex Criminals, the first trade, was funny. It was amusing to me um it just wasn't necessarily my cup of tea i wasn't going to be in it for the long haul um but you know because he and brubaker did iron fist together of course i have to read that because i'm i'll read i think at one point i said i'll I'll read ed brubaker's you know bathroom graffiti um you know i would pay pay money for that so um i don't know it's not that i don't like the guy i guess it's just that something about his writing doesn't strike strike me the right way Mm -hmm. well each his own (laughs) I have one last thing to add because yeah. we're talking about influences and I want to say that Alan Moore's Swamp Thing may be one of the best created comic book series in the universe. Not just for his writing but for the letting. Uh, I didn't think Bissette was the best artist in the world but it seemed to work really well together. Uh, that team collectively created something special. Uh, matter of fact, when I wanted to... I, I spent a lot of time buying trades to go look at different uh, lettering styles. I have a weird, like, kind of classic style of lettering. I don't do any of the modern lettering at all. Uh, my, my stuff's just different. Uh, it's a little more old-school looking. Uh, when I went back and looked at old, that old Swamp's thing stuff, how good that letterer was, and I can't even remember his name, and I feel sad about it. He was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He really helped put, put everything together. And these are the types of things I went and did research for so that I could be better at being an editor is noticing all these tiny things. And so once you start doing that, it's kind of hard to stop. Now, I have to say this, because you've already brought up, Sean, that, you know, you kind of have an old school lettering style. And you also mentioned that you like, you know, X-Men and you grew up reading that and stuff. You know, going through this comic, one of the first things that popped into my head is it kind of reminded me, I don't know why, with just word bubbles and placement and, I guess, panel placement and everything else of... um, uh, what is it? Uh, Extinction Agenda. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Nice. For some reason, yeah. that was one of the oh. first things that popped in my head. Even I didn't with, think about that. With Paul's yeah. art. 
it, it's still kind of like some for some reason in my head it clicked like extinction agenda to me and uh now that you said that it kind of i guess makes a little bit more sense in my head <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. well, yeah because, you know we're talking about the lettering yeah those one things that actually i noticed uh, i think it was the first page where one of the letters is you know uh the the square is oh, i think it was like yellow with red border if memory serves correctly but does like this is something you don't see every day yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, it was. I, I was trying to capture a little bit of that that fifties pulp feel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I didn't want to go too crazy with it and too modern looking. So I went real simple on purpose. Yeah, because I really want to. Like, my number one goal in lettering is eye pathing. It's all about eye pathing. If you look through the book, you'll see that my goal is to make sure that you get through the entire book, uh, through panels from one side to the other. If I can do it. Um, and make it a clean reading experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not the best letter in the world, but that's iPathing is my number one. Like I want to make sure that it's easy to read. Like I want you to be able to breeze through it and not think about the letter, right? Like la 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 la. I'm not trying to impress anyone. What I'm trying to do is make the story clean and fast, right? Like I don't need, I don't want you to be chasing stuff. Where oh now yeah. where do I go next? You know, a good flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's much appreciated because there's been a lot of times where I'm reading a book and it's like, wait, where? Oh, I start reading this and then I go, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And then I go over here and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to read this first. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. And that's, yeah, that's annoying. So it is much appreciated that someone does take pride in that and that is what, you know, the the flow of the book. So, yeah, you know, for for me, like, um, I was never. Prior to becoming an adult, really, I was never much of a comic book reader. I was kind of like an, uh, an avid comic book reader at best, um, you know, as a, as a kid or even in my early 20s. Um, and it wasn't until uh, I'd say I was probably about 28 or, you know, somewhere in that region, 30, uh, that I started really reading um, comic books pretty heavily. Uh, and, and now having, having you know, worked with a, a group of uh, what I would consider professional uh, comic book creators, um, even though you know by by technical standards they, they 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 might not fall into that category, or other people might not consider them professionals because we're still making you know indie comic books or whatever. But um, but in my opinion, you know, very professional uh, comic book creators that, that I was able to start really picking apart um, other books that I that I was reading currently or or had gone back to reread. Um, and then working closely with Sean uh, has sort of allowed me to sort of deconstruct, um, I guess, comic books more easily. And I, I find myself most recently picking up, uh, you know, maybe a dozen comic books from Rich's shop in Hampton and only being able to read like a few of them because there were certain elements that I felt weren't done uh, to the best of their abilities. And these are books that, you know, are, on major labels and i'm like ah oh, this this doesn't work for me this you know the, the flow of it is wrong like like sean was talking about the the direction of you know the the lettering or the the, the, the word bubbles or the panel layouts like it doesn't flow right to me and I, I just can't get through it you know and these are people who are making comic books literally as a profession you know full-time gigs and you know sean and i are doing that obviously because neither of us have real jobs but um <laughs> But the rest of us, the rest of us, you know, I mean, uh, well, I don't know. There's, I don't know if anybody actually on our team has a real job except for Rob. Um, but, you know, we're, we're by no means getting books published at any, any point in time by the likes of Image or 
you know, any, even any, any smaller publications than that. And, and I feel like the work that uh, the people on this book have done, um, maybe not always be to the caliber that it needs to be in order to be at that level. But I think that continuing to work towards that or, or continuing to try and turn out the best product that we can, um, I feel like there are certain things that we've done that, that is, at least in my opinion, uh, as good as um, some of the books that are on the shelf in, in you know stores across the country. But I'll agree with I'm, that sentiment. I might I might be a little biased too, so I don't really know. <laughs> um, but especially Sean's work on the book, uh, like I think Sean kind of gets maybe a little. I don't want to say agitated, but fidgety or uncomfortable when I try to sing his praises. But um, you know, he, he's he's in my opinion gone above and beyond what would be expected of him, I think, uh, to make this book as polished, uh, as it is for honestly the first book we've ever done. You know, I mean, Sean's done other books. Um, Paul's done a couple other books, but for Rob and I, you know, this is, this is all we have. Um, and I feel like the first book out of the gate is pretty strong. Very cool. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, one of the reasons, Oh, sorry. Oh, wait, no, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. So I wanted to touch on, he was saying that some of the, the, the big books, you go, uh, well, they also have a two-week timeline. We have months, yeah, right? right? So, yeah. but what I've decided to do is you always take, you know, you try to figure out, all right, what's your weakness? Well, our weakness is speed, right? So then you turn that into a benefit. How do you turn that into a benefit? You do your absolute best to make sure you deliver the highest quality product that you can. Because that's all the option we have. We we don't make full-time money doing this. If we did, we might be able to push books out a whole lot faster. No, we definitely would be able to push out books faster. But since we don't, then we need to make sure that the quality we deliver is absolutely as high as we can just to compensate for the fact that, hey, it's going to be six months if you're lucky before the next book's out. You know, And that's just kind of the way I look at it. It's like if, if you can't deliver like, – oh, because I understand the idea of perfect is – wrong and you got to you know once it's good enough is good enough at certain points but when you have the time it seems uh seems silly not to uh go as and get as detailed and as specific and as perfect as you can get it at the time and then move on and that's always my goal in every book i'm working on because i mean what am i going to do say oh geez it's good enough for now no i mean if I was two weeks and I was like, you don't have time to revamp that, then I'd say, sure, let's just move forward. You know. And and, and to that to that point, from that first digital run that we produced for Hampton Comic Con, to the run that went out for the, the Kickstarter, we made adjustments to the book. I forgot like, about that. Like you know, it, it wasn't that okay. Well, we got this file; it's done. We can just put it away and wait for it to get printed. Like we still went back and. They, they may be minor changes and not necessarily very noticeable, but there are changes in that book um, because we feel like that we could have done X, Y, or, or Z just a little bit better, you know, than we did initially. Um, so that's, that's like Sean said, that's kind of our goal is to get speed down, you know, try, try and maybe eventually the ultimate goal would be a two to three month turnaround time between issues. Um, I, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's un, undoable, um, but at the same time, I think that's going to be relatively difficult for us, uh, given sort of the nature of the beast, you know. Mm-hmm. 
We'll give it yeah. time once once the flow gets happening and all that stuff, and you know, hopefully we'll start picking up from there. Because you said you were what twenty issues out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. um, so because of the because of the way Rob and I sort of outlined everything, um, because we, we went into it very sort of pragmatically, where uh, we realized that okay, we're doing an indie comic book. Indie comic books are pretty much hit or miss, you know, with an audience. Um, you don't have anything to really pull people in to your story. Um, you don't have, you know, a big nameplate that says Marvel. You don't have, you know, established characters. You don't have uh, mm-hmm. an extended career as a writer or an artist. Yeah. Well, uh, a clean so, slate, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, you know, a brand, you know, newborn baby. Um, so we we wrote the, the outline in a way that if if we could get through the first arc and it wasn't conceivable that it could progress beyond that, you know, from a financial standpoint, from a, a work standpoint, um, that the first arc will be its own self-contained story that doesn't necessarily have to continue on, you know, so we, we could at least get five issues and that would be good enough as a story. Um, and if we got to do 10 or if we got to do 15 or got to do 20, we could, we could try and do that, but it wouldn't have to be, it wouldn't be a scenario where we get to like, you know, three and then have to stop or where we get to, to seven and then we have to stop, you know, we're, we're, we're always sort of reevaluating, um, what we can do with the story to sort of make it, uh, a complete piece of work if we have to stop short of something, um. So we're not leaving, you know, sort of readers kind of in the lurch, which happens a lot in comics, you know, just because of financial issues. So, so yeah, ultimately 20 issues, the the least it'll ever be is five. Um, Well, the least it'll ever be maybe is four, but, uh, but ultimately 20 in total would be the the end goal, which I, which I think for a first time, you know, comic book creator on the indie scene is, is, relatively ambitious and maybe you know we sort of got into you know biting off a bit more than we could chew but you know we're in it now so we might as well push forward all right so we are almost at the hour mark so we are or we might be at the hour mark now but so we're going to come to the end of the podcast but before we end it Ken, I actually have a question for you, and you can answer for Rob, too, if you want, okay? Because you may or may not know. But you said that you and him were old um, uh, punk heads, so you all are into punk rock and stuff. What are some of your favorite punk bands? Uh, he, he and so we're... Dead we're Kennedys! I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we're, where he and I diverge would probably be a better place to start, because there are a few punk bands that he and I, uh, that maybe he likes that I don't like, or vice versa, um... He's a real big bad religion fan. I'm not mm-hmm. so hot on I'm not so hot on bad religion. Um I could listen to him. I saw him live. They played like a two and a half hour long set and I had to leave at like the hour <laughs> and a half long mark. <laughs> um that was actually in the Norva uh in Norfolk, um, probably about ten years ago. Uh but some of my favorite punk bands, um, you know, Dead Kennedys, uh I like uh I'm more of an East Coast guy, with the exception of things like the Kennedys or Rancid. Um, okay. But those yeah. two are probably those two are probably, probably my personal favorites. Um, I'm a Ramones fan. I'm a huge mm. Misfits fan. Um, yes. I, I, like so, those three bands: Misfits, Ramones, and Rancid. Um, 
I'm sorry, Misfits at Kennedy's and Rancid are still like on repeat in my house, uh, even though I've heard all of their songs probably a thousand times. Um, I like Propagandi uh, a lot, okay. a, can, a Canadian band that maybe a lot of people have heard about. Um, yeah. But I think they're defunct now. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're not around anymore. No, no. They had, they had like maybe a, a five or six year window where it maybe two yeah. or three albums, and that was about it. Um, let's see. What other punk band? So you must be mean? pretty stoked on Danzig getting back with uh, Jerry Only and Doyle and all of them. So funny story about that. Um, they came through Hampton Roads to the Norva not too long ago, maybe this time last year, um, as Danzig. And then Danzig was with uh, Wolfgang von <laughs> Frankenstein, um, who was the bassist for the original Misfits. Mm-hmm. Um or not the bassist, I'm sorry, he was he was a guitarist for the original Misfits. Uh when it was Danzig, Jerry only, um and, and that sort of setup. Uh and so Danzig came through, um, did an entire set of the original Misfits. Uh I wanna say uh, shit, what album was that? Um the one with twenty eyes on it and uh Rachel's Dare. Uh, oh, um I know which album you're talking about. I, I, can, uh, I can see the cover clearly in my mind. It's blue um, with green lettering. Yeah. Um, in, in any case, he, so he he and uh, he and him did did an entire Misfits set uh, from front to start of that, and then he went into you know all of his solo projects after that. And I had a chance to go see that, and at the last minute, some stuff came up, and I wasn't able to do that. But now that they're getting the whole band back together, uh, I'm hugely um, interested in trying to find. Uh, a place to go see that but i'm, I'm also a big uh, hip-hop fan like those are my two musical loves like um to me sort of hip-hop is uh you know i i kind of consider it like uh the modern version of of punk rock to an extent yeah if you will um in its message and, and the way it's delivered um but you know old school punk rock and and up to about 95 is pretty much when he gave up on trying to find new punk bands. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, if you're bummed out with the current uh, political uh, outcomes of things, there's always one plus thing that you can take away from all that. It's the first time in recorded history that a man has won an argument against a woman. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) we're way off the subject, gentlemen. I think, no, I <laughs> gentlemen, we have reached the witching hour, and it's time to close up the podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but it's been so much fun talking with you guys. Excellent. I get, I, I've had a great time. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, love to have you come back on and maybe talk about Astropunk 2 after it comes out. Sure. And I, thank you again for joining us tonight. <clears throat> no, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks so much uh, for having us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's been it's been a real uh, good time, and um, I'm, I'm I'm anytime glad to talk about the book or punk rock or hip hop or anything mm-hmm. else that uh, that I can find attestable in modern life. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks for joining us. Check us out, fourguysinacomic.com, and follow us on social media: Twitter at number four guys in a comic. Facebook, keyword for guys in a comic. Also check out popnerdtv.com and contv.com. Till next time. <laughs>